0: You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. In this edition, six months after the fall of the Afghan government to the Taliban, we speak to Afghan refugees in the Bay Area.
1: There is no job opportunities, so people are very worried about their future, and people are leaving Afghanistan.
0: And learn how a Bay Area international aid group has worked to get its people out of the country.
2: I was not equipped to handle the volume, the unprecedented foreign policy that I had to instantly understand in order to navigate through this maze.
0: I'm Max Pringle, sitting in for Laura Winnis. This is Civic. After consulting closely with our allies and partners, with our military leaders and intelligence personnel, with our diplomats and our development experts, with the Congress and the Vice President, as well as with Mr. Ghani and many others around the world, I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home.
1: Well, as we've reported, foreign countries are scrambling to evacuate their nationals, including diplomatic staff from Afghanistan. The U.S. is also having to consider helping Afghans who worked with their forces, making themselves potential targets for the Taliban. The last U.S. troops have withdrawn from Afghanistan, ending America's longest war, with the Taliban we pushed out in 2001 back in control of that
0: country again. Afghans have desperately tried to leave the country. Tens of thousands have succeeded. About 76,000 Afghans have been brought to the U.S. since last summer. Most of them have moved into communities across the country.
2: Hundreds of Afghan refugees are expected to soon call Georgia home. More than 560 Afghan
0: refugees have been resettled so far in Texas.
2: San Diego could see the second highest influx of Afghan refugees in the state.
0: The San Francisco Bay Area has America's largest Afghan population, making it an obvious place to resettle Afghan refugees. This week marks a half year since the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. Following the withdrawal of U.S. forces from the country, thousands of Afghan refugees fleeing the chaos have come to the U.S., many right here in the Bay Area. Today we speak with Heidi Kuhn, founder and CEO of San Rafael-based Roots of Peace. It's a nonprofit working to remove landmines in Afghanistan and other war-torn countries and convert the recovered land to agriculture.
2: President Ashraf Ghani says that he wants Afghanistan to be an exporting machine and believes the San Rafael-based charity Roots of Peace is helping to provide the tools to be a game-changer for his country with the help of U.S. aid.
0: That's a clip from a recent ABC7 report on Roots of Peace's work in Afghanistan during the administration of former Afghan President Ashraf Ghani. Heidi Kuhn says the government has changed, but her organization's work continues there, even as it helps Afghan staffers and their families leave and resettle here in the U.S. We'll also speak with Afghan refugee Siwash Safi, who came to the Bay Area in 2019 and got his family out of Afghanistan with the help of Roots of Peace after the fall back in August.
1: When I talk to my families and friends who are uh, left behind in Afghanistan, they say if you compare it like security-wise, so the security is now good compared to the previous government, and they say that the theft and other crime rate is very low compared to the, Previous government, but one I can say that uh, there is uh, no money and no food. So in the current regime, or I can say it in Taliban regime, so people uh, they don't have anything to eat and people are uh, sleeping empty stomach. So there is no job opportunities. So people are very worried about their future and people are leaving Afghanistan.
0: We'll hear more of Siwash Safi's story and conditions in his home country later. I recently caught up with Roots of Peace founder and CEO Heidi Kuhn. She's also author of the book Breaking Ground. We started by discussing her work in Afghanistan before and after the Taliban takeover.
2: Well, over the past 20 years since Roots of Peace began our Mines to Vines initiative in Afghanistan, we have removed hundreds of thousands of landmines. But most importantly, we've planted over 6 million fruit trees in all 34 provinces. And the interview that we had with President Ashraf Ghani, the past president of Afghanistan, he said on camera that Roots of Peace had contributed over 2% to the GDP of the nation. Now, that's not bad for a mom's idea in the backyard of a Marin County home. But we can do so much better. I think if the world realizes that Afghanistan, again, was once dubbed the garden of Central Asia, and if we're going to bring peace back to the people today where 97% of the population is jobless because of the pullout on the 15th of August, you know, the embassies aren't there, the majority of businesses are closed, the banking systems, the obstacles we have just gone through to implement MOMO mobile money in order to pay our farmers. Roots of Peace is one of the only organizations that is working there today in agriculture and proudly a CEO. I manage make payroll to over 300 Afghans and the ripple effect to the families with six, eight children is phenomenal because they again have the dignity to feed their families not just with food coming in from the World Food Program but the earth itself once the landmines are removed, has the ability to forgive the humans for putting in these insidious seeds of hatred. And and as we plant those seeds of love, those seeds of agriculture, with sunlight, water, and a human hand, today they grow and flourish. Now, because of the recent OFAC laws, the very serious laws of the United States of America, the Office of Foreign Assets and Control, Roots of Peace, as a humanitarian nonprofit, must adhere clearly to those laws. And that includes stopping our exports to the neighboring markets. Now, in 2014, with funding from USAID and our CHAMP program, Commercial Horticultural Agricultural Marketing Program, we took the agricultural exports from $250 million in 2014 to over $1.4 billion by the end of 2020. But after August 15th, we had to immediately cease that because OFAC laws prevent United States funding to any terrorist organization. And the situation, of course, in Afghanistan, it is governed by the Taliban, and we may no longer support those exports. Very sadly, that hurts the local farmers on the ground. But we've managed innovative ways to find solutions so that we're providing those exports, those sales within the country. Those pomegranates from Kandahar are being sold in Badakhshan, where the cherries are blooming, and and back and forth. So we're helping to feed a nation who is just coming out of one of the harshest winters ever. And again, no food, no jobs, no salary. It's unspeakable, the suffering that is going on there. And I know because we talk to our Afghan employees and farmers multiple times during the week, but sadly, the news organizations are only there at Hamid Karzai International Airport, too afraid, quite frankly, to go out to the other 34 provinces and see the impact and the starvation and the suffering that is happening to the Afghan people. You know, Roots of Peace carries no flag in any country we work in. We carry no flag. We only serve the farmer. And yes, we have to work with the governments of each and every one of the countries we work in. And as an American CEO, woman-led, I am very proud to say that we have received the support to move those fresh fruits across various provinces. I am a mother, I am feeding their children.
0: I'm going to assume that you had a, a much easier go of it with the prior government. Talk a little bit about that transition to uh, Taliban rule, and especially now some of the problems that maybe your Afghan staff is facing working with a Western organization.
2: Well, it was abrupt. It was an abrupt stop in terms of the work that we were doing. We were in the midst of a harvest, the summer harvest. You know, nature does not wait for peace treaties to be signed. And we were in full swing on the harvest. Much like California, the harvest was in full swing on August 15th. And all that changed when nobody believed that within 11 days the Taliban would take over the entire country. So we had to pivot and pivot. Very, very quickly, we learned to fill out P1, P2 forms, SIVs, and the volume of what our entire staff, headquartered in Little San Rafael, California, was doing to impact the nation was tireless efforts. And I so applaud my entire staff. You know, we had many, many nights that we watched the sunrise in our backyard. And w- when we realized we couldn't get enough done on the difference in time zones, 12 hours later, my husband and I flew to Istanbul, Turkey. And the last eight days of August, we set up really, I don't want to call it a war room, it really was a peace room, but just as aggressively fighting to get the manifest lists of those most at-risk Roots of Peace employees and their families out of the south gate of the Hamid Karzai International Airport. I am so grateful to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Congressman Jared Huffman. They were on the phone with us constantly. But it was so complex, and quite frankly, it was catastrophic what was happening at the airport. And we have since learned, because we had filled out all those P1, P2s. So the P1, P2s were the forms that qualified the Afghans to leave the country. And the U.S. Department of State reviewed each and every one of those. But the mistake that was made when people were given the forms allowing them to proceed To the Hamid Karzai International Airport, everybody copied them. Everybody copied the actual formal releases and shared it. So that's why you saw the influx of the people jumping over walls, jumping onto the wings, desperation, because they thought they had this ticket. To get out of Afghanistan. And because things were so chaotic, again, everyone trying their very level best, but in Washington, D.C., who had the experience to even know or think the foresight that these could be forged and copied and shared with their neighbors and their cousins and and come on down, we can get out, here's the paperwork. So that was one of the things of 2020 vision, looking backwards, that we were running against the wind on that. But I had a manifest list of 76. Afghans, and very proudly and with lots of hard work, we've been able to get three of those families out. An additional boxer out of Fighting for Peace, a professional boxer, he is now over at the call the Lilypad. Those are the bases where when they're flown out of Kabul, the Lily Pads are established in Istanbul, Turkey, in Islamabad, Pakistan, and I flew to Doha, Qatar in late October to help get father, mother, and their six children out. They had tried several times to evacuate at the airport. Many of our employees were savagely beaten at the end of August at the Hamid Karzai International Airport. And we did everything we could with the support of our friends, Ambassador Kenneth Quinn, President Emeritus of the World Food Prize, on a daily basis. He had worked at the White House on two occasions. And I guarantee you, I was not equipped to handle the volume, the unprecedented foreign policy that I had to instantly understand in order to navigate through this maze. But my husband Gary and I did the very best we could, and I am not giving up on those who have left behind. I wrote a letter last week to the President of the United States to get a woman, I'll use her first name, Benazir. She's eight months pregnant. She worked with Roots of Peace through funding from USAID. And she had a successful company employing 80 Afghan women. She's eight months pregnant, and she's Hazara, which is the ethnic minority that is being hunted by the Taliban. I will do everything I can as a mother, as a grandmother, and as a human being to get her safely out of Afghanistan so that the first breath of that child is one of freedom.
0: You were mentioning some of the bureaucratic hurdles that you had to go through as an organization. But these individuals left behind there, are you hearing from them like on a uh, daily, weekly basis about the difficulty just filling out all the forms in a a language that maybe that's not their own?
2: I, every day of my life, receive dozens and dozens of pleas for people, pleading for their life, living in fear and desperation, the fear of what the Taliban did 25 years ago to their families. The only power that I have right now is to empower them with a shovel and not a sword, to give them jobs and dignity to feed their families. I wish I could get the remaining 50 Afghans of my 76 on my manifest list out and Every single day, I try with the Department of State, with an incredible department called CARE, run by Ambassador Elizabeth Jones. And they, again, the priority is the AMCIT, which is the American citizen, thousands left behind. Green card holders, thousands left behind. And beneath that is the SIV, the Special Immigration Visa, and P1, P2 beneath that. The P1, P2s go to the lily pads, and they live in refugee camps for perhaps years until the paperwork is able to be completed, allowing them to leave. Now, I just was able to reunite a family who lives in East Bay, our director of technology, his wife and two dear children, ages five and nine, as well as his mother and father, had all the paperwork for the asylum. But because of COVID, the U.S. embassy had closed down and they were just between a rock and a hard spot. We got them evacuated with the support of the state Department and many, from Kabul to the lily pad of Doha in Qatar. And then in November, when we thought we would have them home by Christmas, they were flown to Fort Dix in New Jersey. Now, 10,000 Afghan refugees are at Fort Dix. And as the COVID Omicron accelerated, the people who were taking care of the refugees couldn't even go on base in mid and late December. So it was just at the end of January that I was able finally to go to San Francisco International Airport. I can't tell you what a great feeling that was to see that family reunited, because sometimes in this job, you feel like you're running against the wind. And if you didn't feel that for the past 20 years with the war on terrorism and what we've been dealing with in cultivating peace through agriculture, the monkey wrench that was thrown in front of us without any experience how to handle it was the August 15th and that was the fall of Kabul and right here in my backyard, coincidentally, I had about 100 families. I felt so badly that things were getting darker and darker, and you could see the faces of the Afghans when they come into the office every day, one of despair and knowing their families are left behind. So I had a barbecue, and coincidentally, it was on August 15th, and asked everyone to dress in their traditional Afghan clothing and, and shish kebabs and, and just music and culture and beautiful painting corners I had had here for the children, the Afghan children. And that morning, we had learned that Kabul had fallen. So the sad faces came to the hill and the music and culture and uh, vivid colors of Afghanistan were celebrated. And for a few short hours, we were human beings celebrating the gift of life with one another, and then, of course, going down the hill into what was to become the biggest nightmare of my life. It was those 15 days until the last wheels were up and the war was over, the longest war in the United States of America. But we did our battleground best in Istanbul, Turkey, for those eight days to get as many as our Afghans out safely. We had two runs to the airport with our manifest list, 76 people on the bus. The first evacuation was on the 27th of August, and it took 10 hours in the hot sun for these buses, which is tin cans and targets for what was happening there. It was just a few days after the 13 Marines were tragically killed, along with the Hundreds of Afghans who were also killed with that suicide bomb. So that moment, we realized we were probably looking back just a little too late. But the State Department and others asked us to make another run for it, and we did so on the 29th. The ICC operating inside of the airport gave the manifest list of all 76 people to the Taliban. That was the protocol. And just when we again thought we were getting through the gates of Hamid Karzai International Airport, we were told that there was an ISIS threat. And within 10 minutes, I told the buses just get out of there, leave. Within that 10-minute window, that drone had dropped within less than one mile from where our bus load of roots of peace Afghan families just missed losing their life. So this was beyond nail biting. The, I would say the last six months of my life have been the most difficult in my entire professional career. But I'm not one to believe in giving up. I think anybody who knows me that California bipartisan spirit is alive. And if I there are nights when I wonder, has this just gotten too hard? And then I close my eyes and I think of the families. If I give up and choose to go back to my very comfortable life in Marin County, those farmers and families would lose the ability and dignity to be able to feed their children through this unforeseen window. We are working with the Afghan women. And this morning, every Monday morning at 7 o'clock a.m., I have a, a talk with our With our staff, since August 15th, and the de facto administration, as the United Nations calls it, has taken control, I have chosen to conduct Zoom calls with our all-Afghan women staff because they have been in fear, tremendous fear, and they are having to make adjustments in order even to work. Now, we're calling our program Beyond the Wall— and behind the burqa. And inside of the homes where the women are not allowed to go outside without a mahram. A mahram is the Taliban insistence that a woman to walk outside must have a father, a brother, or a male accompany her anywhere she goes. The hijab, which is worn over the head, they are now recommending that women wear burqas. Now, I have a burqa in my office. I've put on and tried to walk across the room. You have no peripheral vision. You are looking at the world from a mesh just with the eyes. And your identity, I feel, is taken completely away we are getting these stories and of the courage of these women who, beyond the burqa and beyond the walls, are finding ways, innovative ways, to create jobs. We're bringing little baby chicks inside of the walled complex of their home, and the women are nurturing these little baby chicks into chickens who lay eggs, are able to give protein with the eggs to their family, and the husbands go outside and are able to sell those eggs in market. We're bringing beehives And the women are able to make honey, again, to feed their families and to be sold by their husbands outside of the wall. We're doing kitchen gardens. And as I was told today, we have over 100 females that have just signed up in Kunduz province, which was one of the hardest fought during the 20-year war. Uh, It was one of the most disturbed provinces. But that will indirectly impact 4,000 women when they're able to harvest that fruit and dry the fruit and put it in processing centers, so... It was so encouraging to hear the innovation on how our Roots of Peace Afghan women are finding alternatives to the many challenges. You know, i born and raised here in Marin County, and when I go to the grocery store and people are upset they don't have the brand of mustard that they were looking for, it's hard to dance between both of those worlds and to realize how much we are blessed with. And as my grandmother McNear always taught me, to whom much has been given, much is expected.
0: Heidi Hume founder and CEO of Roots of Peace. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. This is Civic. I'm Max Pringle, in for Laura Wenus. I visited with Afghan refugee Siwash Safi over Zencaster to discuss his and his family's story and their life now in the Bay Area.
1: I had previously worked with international forces and organization, including uh, United Nations uh, Development Programme, demining and also disarmament uh, programs in Afghanistan.
0: You were still doing this kind of work when the withdrawal of, of NATO forces happened?
1: Actually, I uh, left Afghanistan in February 2019. Before that, I was working uh, with United Nations as a IT technician. I was not actually in Afghanistan when Taliban captured uh, Kabul.
0: Okay, but you had been working in Afghanistan under the previous government, right? Yes,
1: I worked from 2005 up to 2019.
0: What would you say were the big differences? Do you think, I'm just talking to people who had been your colleagues who were still there, what would you say was the big difference between the previous government and working under the Taliban?
1: When I talk to my families and friends who are uh, left behind in Afghanistan, they say, if you compare it like security-wise, so the security is now good compared to the previous government and they say that the theft and other crime rate is very low compared to the previous government but one, I can say that uh, there is uh, no money and no food so in the current regime or I can say it in Taliban regime So people uh, didn't have anything to eat and people are uh, sleeping empty stomach. So there is no job opportunities. So people are very worried about their future and people are leaving Afghanistan. So in previous government, uh, so we had job opportunities. We had freedom of speech out. So the thing was that we didn't have security when i was there so i was worried that someday i will lose my (laughs) my life Uh, like every day we had explosions suicide attacks on government buildings they were targeting uh, non-profit organizations and also united nations uh, employees Uh, so now in current regime uh, we don't have those problems uh, like security is good and there is no theft, there is no crime actually there is, but it's very low if you compare it to previous government I can say that the current government is, uh, if you compare it uh, with like security issues so it's much better than, than previous government when it comes to the economy so that government was better than this
0: with this current government, they're very suspicious of, from what I hear from reports, they're suspicious of Western organizations that are there, like the United Nations or any NGOs, and of Afghans who've worked with those organizations. Is that true?
1: Somehow, like in the past, uh, they were suspicious. So whoever worked with nonprofit organizations, they, they were uh, thinking that they are spies, or their infidels. Uh, even they were targeting non-profit organizations' employees. So now, uh, since they announced mercy for everyone, so right now we have—I have never heard from my friends like uh, they are working with non-profit organizations. We have our office in Afghanistan. Uh, Roots of Peace is working there. So we don't have such a problem. I I have never heard. If it exists, I I can't say anything.
0: Tell me a little bit about the story about how you came to to leave your country and come here and how your family also got out of Afghanistan and came here.
1: I was uh, granted asylum in the United States on February 2019. So I had my visa, tourist visa. I came to visit my family then I changed my mind and I stayed here and uh, because I knew that there are risks and uh, I was getting kind of trips there. So I stayed here like it was three years ago. So my family was there, then I applied for my family and it took me like three years to get them out and bring them to the U.S.
0: You say you arrived in 2019. When did they arrive?
1: They arrived on December 15, 2021, like two months ago, two to three months ago.
0: Oh, so very recently.
1: Yeah, they recently All right. Uh, actually, they were evacuated.
0: They were evacuated by the American military? or
1: They were evacuated by the support of uh, Heidi Kuhn, the founder and CEO of uh, Roots of Peace, and by the help of uh, Department of State.
0: Oh, okay. So, because you had had a, a working relationship with Heidi's organization, she helped them to get out.
1: Correct. Yeah. I'm working from last year with uh, Heidi Q uh, for the peace, and, and I'm very grateful. She's doing a great job for Afghanistan. And uh, she managed uh, to evacuate my family. And she's trying to evacuate those who are stuck in Afghanistan. We have another 75 employees that she's trying to evacuate them to the U.S.
0: Do you have family or or close friends back in Afghanistan that you're still concerned about and worried for?
1: Yes, I do have my brother uh, left behind, so he is alone there. My sister, uh, she has five daughters and one son. She is there in Afghanistan.
0: And have you been able to be in contact with them?
1: Yes, I'm in touch with them. We are talking uh, every day, and uh, they're fine so far.
0: Tell me a little bit about the transition for you. You've been here a few years, but imagine it's a different culture. It's a new country. Talk a little bit about the transition for you and your family to the U.S. here in the Bay Area.
1: Although it's uh, challenging, you know, to adjust in a new country or society, but we are trying hard to overcome these challenges which is in front of us max it's not easy to leave your country where you grew up where you born and grow up and start a new life like we came all the way seven it's like 7500 miles from afghanistan to california right so it's challenging but we are trying our best you know to overcome these challenges.
0: I know that it's easier for children to make adjustments and they're very flexible on these things. Tell me a little bit about how they're adjusting or have they started school yet?
1: Oh yeah, my children started this week. They have started school this week and they are very excited and happy and they are trying to learn English and they are trying to make friends. So sometimes, yeah, they, they say... I want to go back to my country right <laughs> right especially my son you know he had too many friends there
0: how do you think Americans could understand your country better
1: America like you want we have people so people are the same like if it's there in Afghanistan or here it's all about the government so I can say that Americans should understand that whatever is uh, going or happening right now in Afghanistan They have some kind of or part of responsibilities, especially towards the women and children right now because they are really suffering in Afghanistan. They don't have food to eat. They don't have, like, they're not feeling secure even. They don't have food security, I can say. So these things I can, like... They should know about that, and they should not stop supporting Afghan people.
0: Mr. Siwash Safi has been our guest today. Siwash, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us.
1: Yeah, pleasure to talk to you.
0: You've been listening to Civic. I'm Max Pringle filling in for Laura Wenis. Civic is produced by KSFP-LP, a project of the San Francisco Public Press. Our team includes Civic host Laura Wenis, producer Leanna Wilcox, and contributor Mel Baker, who's also programming director for KSFP. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Thanks for listening.